This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph, the only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, Brechin and Bray blasted, but D-Face step up against Fleetwood. And does Levitt loss leave United light? Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Twa Teams One Street. I'm Tom Duthie. And joining me in the studio today are Alan Temple. Good day. Graham Finnan. Hello, everyone. And on the line from Dublin, Ireland, is George Cran. Top, top <laughs> of the morning. Top of the morning. Well, it was top of the morning, George, until you delayed the start by going and making a cup of tea. It's the slowest boiling kettle uh, in history, I think, in this room. <laughs> it's ten past ten in Dublin. Surely you should be on the Guinness already. <laughs> I'm, I'm, it's all work here. There's, there's none, of, none of that Guinness nonsense. Well, Honestly. I'm sure you had a pint of Guinness last night to toast Dundee's second 5-1 victory as they beat Bray Wanderers, having done the same to Brechin on Saturday. What a pre-season this is, George. getting used to it, certainly. Um, the opposite... Can we expect these kind of scores in the Premier League? <laughs> I think there'll be a, a distinct step up in quality, I think, when we get the real ball out. Uh, Beacon uh, were decent, but Dundee obviously showed the class. And then Bray Wanderers are in the middle of their season. They've got a game on Friday. They've changed their team a bit. Uh, and I think even if their first team, Dundee, would have been heavy, heavy favourites, and, and they kind of showed that. But Dundee were really good, actually. Um, two goals for Zach Robinson. Superb. Uh, coming back and Owen Beck of Apolloni looked very very good I must admit I was disappointed with that one when I saw Dundee sign Liverpool left back <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah he's been how did he, he look he looked every inch a Liverpool player I have to say um, sometimes you get these lone players coming up, coming up from big clubs down south and, and you don't quite see the difference in quality but you could see it uh, last night I mean Opposition, that as we say, wasn't uh, wasn't the, the strongest, but it, he just he was sharp. He, his movement was very good. He was very good going forward. Yet to see how he does up against uh, some real threats going forward, but he can play, and uh, it's really interesting. He has been on loan a couple of times before, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, and it didn't really work. He, he went to Portugal, um, and basically. Immediately came back. I'm not sure what the story was there. If it just didn't work, and then he went out to Bolton, but didn't really force his way into the team. I think that was in League One down south. He played nine games, I think. I think four of them were starts, maybe. But Liverpool took him back in January, and then he's been in their development team since. But he could, he could see as a, he's a player, and you could see why Jurgen Klopp, in particular, and there's, there's quotes from Trent Alexander-Arnold t- talking him up um, a couple of years ago when he joined them on their pre-season uh, tour and he could see why they gave him a five-year contract, I have to say. You do worry, Bear, sometimes with young loan players that mm-hmm. don't have first-team experience. Well, I mean, George says this, this lad's only had nine games, but it is nine games and he's also been training with first-team at Bolton. You hope that he, he'll be ready for the first team at Dundee. I think that's that's the big thing. I mean, let's be honest, Tom, Liverpool don't sign bad football players. 
Um, it just depends. Can he adapt to, to the Scottish environment? He's, he's been, as George said, he's been on loan a couple of times, you know. So, um, can he take to the Scottish game? And you know, there's something's rough and tumble nature that we've got in the Premiership. But he certainly, sound, by the sound of it, he's got off to a, a really positive start. And it has been a problem area for Dundee over the last mm-hmm. few seasons. And, and as much as you know, I, I like Jordan Marshall, but he, he, he had his limitations. Yes, and he, he, and he, he also. You know, he also was affected by injury, which, in fairness to him, and there was a number of times when we actually saw Cammy Kerr having to slot in at left back. So hopefully, this guy can come and stay fit and and do a real good job. And you know, it gives a real balance to the team. If you've got that, if you've got, he is obviously a naturally left sided player. Was he playing at left back last night, yeah. George? Was more more midfield. No, left, left do you think he could push forward or as he as he signed as a left back? Bears wanting Trent. how many assists did he have, George? <laughs> he's uh, well, not as many as Finn Robertson, I would say. Um, but um, yeah. no, he, he's very much in the mould of uh, Liverpool fullback. It's it's about going yeah. forward. Uh, when they signed him, I, I was having a look at his background. They signed him as a he was an attacking midfielder when they signed him uh, and moved him to... But Liverpool. being in the mode of Liverpool, George, he does realise that other teams are actually going to attack Dundee. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, was, see, that's I, I immediately thought that. <laughs> well, that, that's the Can concern. Can we get a defender, please? <laughs> that's the concern when when we get into league action, but he, he can certainly play uh, going forward. Um, his goal was, was superb. He, he didn't look like much was on, the, and he just burst past a couple of boys, passed it to... Who loaned it basically to Finn Robertson out on on the left? He gave it back and he just smashed it in the corner. It was it was a really, really technically uh, excellent goal. Um, so early signs. It's still it's still early. I have to stress that. Sounds like George watched a preseason yeah. friendly. What's, what's Maybe the first that half? was where I was going wrong. <laughs> what's the first half? Yeah. <laughs> and Zach Robinson back as well. Yep, yeah, it's. That could be a big sign. I think so. Um, he was obviously he was a brilliant sign in last season twice. This is his third time he's come back. Um, I spoke to him last night, and he, he's delighted to be back. He had, he had other options, but he felt the kind of connection he had with Dundee and, and the people people there, um, and the fans as well. He spoke about it was a big big draw to come back, and obviously he'd done so well last season, um, and he'd be hoping to do the same this season. Obviously, a step up. It feels like you could see him developing through the season last season. It feels like he might just be ready for for that step up. Just at the time when Dundee is stepping up, it, it might just be nice timing on that front. Um, overall, he, he played the first forty five minutes. He didn't do a huge amount. He scored two goals. It's not too bad. It's his job. Yeah. The other thing about that that one, Alan, is there is a player who. Is an attractive loan signing because he had a lot of games with Dundee last season. So you would you would think Dundee have spent a wee bit of money because I mean the boy himself says there were other options. Yeah, I think it's a statement of intent getting him back. I think it does help when the player wants to come back. That's for sure. If, yeah. You know when you've got those options. Uh, leaning on familiarity is definitely something that appeals to loan players because I've spoken to a million loan players and they all speak about if they've been on loan to maybe three different clubs, they'll say you do that settling in process with every single club yeah. and it's difficult for, for young lads so that fact that Zach will be coming into a dressing room that he knows and a stadium that he knows, training set up that he knows that'll have been a, a huge draw and that familiarity also goes with the supporters, you can see the reaction to his signing, it's given 
given the whole place a lift. Not that it was particularly morose before. I mean, no. it's uh, positivity is kind of um, abounding it at the moment. It doesn't take long for us to get down. <laughs> yeah, well, for the moment, it's keeping that feel-good factor uh, as uncomfortable as you are with that um, kind of going. And supporters are clearly delighted. And uh, as George says, it seems like the players delighted. And you would expect that consistency and that familiarity to bring the best out of Zach Robinson. And the fascinating thing will be to see what is the best of Zach Robinson. Is he a Premiership footballer? Because for all the excitement, um, we don't yet know if he's a Premiership footballer. And that will be coming back to Dundee, I think, is the best opportunity for him to potentially show that because he doesn't have all the other things that a young player has to worry about when he goes out on loan. It's, you know, he's coming back to, to a place he knows. He does have that thing, Bear, that George mentioned there. He, some some games he made a big impact and he was a good target man. But other games, if you took away his goals, which nobody cared because he got goals, he didn't do much in the game. So it's it's always difficult to tell with those type of players, isn't it? Can can they step up a level? You only know when yeah. you go. Yeah, that, that's right. And I think I think his, his second loan spell, you know, after the turn of the year, he, he did make a difference to Dundee. George George would agree with that. But he didn't score as many goals as we thought he might have got. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just him being up there to hold that ball, add that extra bit of, bit of class up top, made the difference. It also helped Alec Jakubiak. We saw that, you know, he came into yeah. his own. And, you know, the two of them actually formed a, a, a decent partnership. Now, he's going to have to find another person up top, you know, if he's going to be playing every week, of course, we don't know that, but uh, they'll have to try and form a partnership as well, whether whether it's with Zach Rudden or someone else. You know, I, I still think Dundee will need, you know, when you, when you think that they're front line, I still think Dundee will need an experienced striker, and I'm hoping that Tony Doherty's still got some money in the kitty to go and, go and get someone. I'm sure he's working on that um, just now. It may take a couple of weeks to get someone else in at this point in time, but... But it's all good. It's all good. As I was talking Zach Robinson is a developing player. I was going to say that. We do have to remember he's yeah. only 20, isn't it? Yeah, you yeah. You often that. see that. Some games they do, he did. He provided the goals. Other games he provided the, the, the link-up play. Mm-hmm. If he starts putting that all together, he's going to be a hell of a player, isn't he? Yeah, he is. But he will find it tougher. You, you're yeah. going up a division. He's not going to find as much space. He's going to find the defenders bigger and tougher. Less service as but well. But he, he is... He, he is uh, you know, as a physical player, you can see that the way he's built, he's a, he's a powerful lad. You know, so hopefully his development can continue, and hopefully he can he can get the goals that'll, that'll keep Dundee in that division next season. And George, as you mentioned earlier, Finn Robertson four assists. I mean, I've noticed about the two games, Finn Robertson and Max Anderson featured heavily uh, in both, and they're two players that we've mentioned in recent weeks didn't finish the season on a high even though Dundee did mm-hmm. uh, so it's good to see these guys you know trying to grasp their chance yeah well I think right in remembering at the end of the season I, th- I think bo- both of them ended up missing out on even the, the match day squad I think throughout the last couple of games and they were, they were fit which obviously um, maybe tells you something about the squad that was there but also told you that they had a bit of work to do uh, to get their, themselves back in the team but Finn was excellent last night. He'd, I was surprised to see him out on the left wing. Scott Tiffany had picked up a wee knock in, in training and, and they kept him out as a, a precaution. Um, and so they they decided to put, to put Finn Robertson out there. And they, I mean, He must have been surprised <laughs> to see himself out on the left wing. I've never seen him playing there in his no, life. Where's that come from? I'm not sure, but obviously it's worked. Tony Doherty obviously saw something in him that... 
And he showed, we all know he's, he's got, um, I mean, Tony Dock spoke about his game intelligence a lot after the game. He, he's a he's a clever player and he could, he could see, he showed that in that game last night. Um, he kept finding space behind their, their fullback and, and getting into really dangerous positions and his, his delivery uh, from those positions was excellent. It's the, Talking about Zach Robinson scoring two goals, the two goals were pretty much tappings because uh, Finn had put them on a plate, um, and he did the same with basically a one-two with one back, and then the fourth one was Zach Rodden actually looked pretty good in the, in the second half as well, uh, replacing Zach Robinson, and it, the assist came from the same place. He, he, even though he'd actually moved to the centre of the pitch at that point, he found himself on on the byline on the left hand side and cut it back for for Rodden to finish. Um, he just looked. Like his old self, if you know what I mean. It's um, mm-hmm. we've maybe not seen it in a while, but we shouldn't forget. I was I was a bit surprised when I was writing up the piece and I checked his age, and he's still only twenty. I was going to say old self at twenty. No, nah, no. <laughs> no. But he, he made his debut. Was it sixteen? Wasn't it? Yeah. So he's been around, been around a long time. Um, and just on uh, Zach Rudden, um, He's looked quite pretty sharp uh, in, in the two games and, and scored obviously a couple of goals last night. Um, but he was getting a bit of stick off Dundee fans actually at Bray, which was a bit of a surprise. Um, I thought it was a bit um, untoward. I'm, I'm not Why? sure. Why? I, I don't know. He's maybe because he went out alone last season, but I don't, don't really see the the reasoning behind giving him a bit of stick. It was maybe just uh, late in the day after. A day in Dublin, I'm not sure, but he was. He... I don't think he loaned himself. <laughs> no, really. no, it's, 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 that seems a bit harsh. I mean, yeah. I, 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 you were a break and I was a break and he, and, uh, he didn't score a break but he, he did put in a hell of a shift. Ah, I've got to say, he, he for the first sort of pre season friendly, it looked to me like a, a, he was a boy who wants to be yeah. there and wants to impress the manager. And that's what he's going to have to do. I mean, that's what Dundee are going to need up, up top. They're going to need somebody who's going to cover the ground. You know, from from the, the first whistle to the last, or or how long they're on the park, and he certainly sh- he showed that to me on Saturday. He definitely wanted to impress the manager, which is a, is a good thing. But I don't know why he's getting stuck. He never, I, I, I certainly don't remember anything on Saturday. Mm. <laughs> I'm not sure where that's come from. Uh, to, 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 to me by surprise, I have to say, but I, do, I don't think he was slow in uh, giving some back when he when he stuck the second one in. I have to say. <laughs> oh, well, it's, it's quite entitled to. I, I, he's got, actually got a decent scoring record for Dundee if you look I at the does. stats. Aye. You know, so, um, uh, yeah, I think, I think that's that's quite harsh. It might have something to do with the, you know, late in the day, Dublin George yeah. factor about it. But, uh, yeah, let's give, let's, give the, let's give the lad a chance. That's really strange. Uh, do you mean like he was getting, like, jeered apropos of nothing? Or was it just a, a few mumbles and grumbles after a missed chance? Or was he actually being singled out? <laughs> Seems really strange. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I was just told... Um, from that side of the pitch, that yeah, he was uh, he was given some back to fans that had Quite been given him stick. I hate that. I hate you know one of my pet hates in football is when fans give. It's usually an opposition player give them stick, and the boy scores and turns around and goes ha ha ha. Yeah, there you does go. something. And the next thing they're all running down to Stewart's going no, oh, he shouted at me. Mm. What did, you, sh- what did you yeah. shout at him? I, I mean, exactly. it's part of the game. Mm. Of course it is. Yeah, obviously I don't see as much of Zach Rudden, particularly at Dundee, as, as you guys did, but he never struck me as a guy who was ever short of effort, no. if nothing no, else. No, no, which, he was never accused of that. And, yeah. and Dundee, for a, for a team that in the past, or a club in the past, I should say, that, that we've sometimes criticised their PR, 
They did a very good job of avoiding the this this loan is with a view a permanent move or mm-hmm. that the, there was no definitive thing about beyond the end of the loan. So it's not as if I mean we maybe suspected that St Johnson might try to sign him if he'd done well there, but he went to a struggling team. So nobody was going. It's all Zach Rudden's fault. St Johnson were having a a difficult season and. Nobody had ever said he was definitely going to sign in the summer. Yeah, and to state the the blatantly obvious, you're not going to get the best out of a young player who needs a wee confidence boost by getting on his back. So you know you don't want to give him the the support that he may need if he's if he's coming back and really as as Bear suggested, working hard to try yeah. and stake a claim. Aye, and he's another one a bit a, a bit like his namesake Zach Robinson. He does things. That managers like and, and fans like and teammates like. It's about putting it all together and a bit mm-hmm. of consistency, isn't it? So you can see why he's still there. It's funny, I remember uh, I was kind of freelancing vaguely on, on the Falkirk beat um, when he went there on loan as a, a really kind of uh, raw young player uh, from Rangers. I think he was 18 at the time. And you looked at him and go, he is has uncommon attributes. You know, he, yeah. he, is, he has a, a real sort of gangly physicality to him that uh-huh. see if you put that together it's really hard to defend against but you see it with a lot of players of his build and stature it's about putting it together and that's sometimes a challenge and maybe doesn't happen mm-hmm. until you get a bit more experience and play more football. It, exactly it doesn't happen overnight and he is still a young man and you can see why managers take punts can't you because there's yeah. not many players that look like him uh, physicality and in, in, in terms of his uh, just the way he carries himself you know there's, there's something there and every coach will back themselves to, to get something out of him, I it's think. It's funny, it's just, it's popped out of my mind. And I remember speaking to Jim Duffy about a young Nacho Novo. Mm. And he'd said, we're working on his finishing. Because he, he could strike the ball better, he could be more aware in the box. And I said, oh, he doesn't link great either, does he? And and Duff said, yeah, but he can't do it all mm. in one season yeah. with a young player. If, mm. you, if, you tra- if, if a young player has three things you want to work on, you won't work on all three of them, you know, intensely over the course of a season because it's it can be too much for them. And it, it does. If you go, that's wrong, that's wrong, and that's wrong, it's going yeah, to affect their yeah. confidence as well. So he said, you're better to focus on one. He said, when he come, he started scoring a few goals. When he comes back for pre-season, then we'll work on the next thing. And it is, it's a gradual process. But, but Rudden's another one that... He's he's got his flaws, but he's yeah. he's got a lot of things that you like about him too. Yeah, so and that's a manager's job as well. Yeah, to, to, to develop players. Novo went on and scored an absolute barrel of the goal for Dundee exactly. Rangers. So it, it made him a good bit of yeah, money too. I, don't, I, I would go back even further to a guy called Martin Boyle, who was at Dens, yeah. who came in yeah. raw from Montrose, and Dundee got, should have worked on him longer. <laughs> he got he got a lot of stick uh-huh. from the fans for some of the uh-huh. things he did at Dens. But look at the way he developed his career. I think Martin Boyle is, is a, is a as a classic example of a guy who's improved, you know, every season he takes something yeah. from the game, his hold-up play, you know, his finishing, all improved. And you see where he got to in his career, and you know, and he became one of the most, you know, dangerous forwards in Scottish football. That swap deal for Alec Harris mm. didn't, didn't age <laughs> well. Did to bring that up. I know, I know. I knew you were going to mention that. That that's still that's that's a knife. That's well, a if knife we're going to, the, I'm sure we're going not to the heart, but the arm. I'm sure we're going to talk about the team I covers <laughs> transfer failings later on. So we'll get that one in, will we? Yeah. We should mention the other end of the pitch, they've added another goalkeeper. We were wondering if it would be Trevor Car- Carson, but he's Tony Doherty. 
I, and maybe it's just a, it's a fan thing. I, I like it when managers pull out guys that oh I don't know who who's that, and you look them, you Google them, and stuff like that. So oh, sounds quite decent, but they've signed a goalkeeper in John McCracken, George. Yeah, he's he's another player that's certainly needing experience. He's, he's not played a huge amount of games. Um, he's had a couple of loan spells himself. Um, Does that point to Legston's starting the season? Um, well, interestingly, I asked uh, Tony Doherty last yeah, night. Uh, George, so, yeah, George, George, George isn't live from I Dublin well, anymore. The, the way I saw it, Tom, is I, I think if I'm Harry Sharp, I think if I'm Harry Sharp, I think I'm a bit disappointed in that. I thought Dunny would bring... Carson was obviously in the frame at some point. A bit, maybe finances dictated it wasn't going to be him, but like like he did with Beck, I mean, a briefing on Saturday, we had a trialist left back, and uh, Jacob Jones, I think it was, George, who played. And, and very quickly, we moved on to... Owen Beck, who has now signed a contract. So, you know, the manager's got more than one player yeah. they're looking at at a set time. But for me, the goalkeeper coming in, I'm disappointed if I'm Harry Sharp because McCracken is quite young and hasn't got a lot of first-team experience. So where does that leave Harry Sharp? I think, uh-huh. you know, he's going to go, have to go on loan and search a first-team first team games. I see that George is yeah. back with us. George, <laughs> by the way, are you pressing pause so you can drink your Guinness without yeah. us seeing you? I, I was talking away there. I, th- I didn't think there was any problem. So <laughs> talking to myself it was in absolute gold as well. I know. <laughs> Probably the best he's ever yeah. sounded. <laughs> that was your Oscar performance, but it, no, I, I actually, I'd asked uh, Tony Rocket last night about the goalie situation and how he saw it. Um, and he, he said he likes to have three goalkeepers, which is interesting. Um but it's 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 a fight for the jersey. It's he doesn't have a, a favourite. He doesn't have a number one at the moment. It's up to the three of them to, to battle it out and and see. He started last night with Adam Langston's in goal. John McCracken came on for the second half. Um, didn't have a huge amount of saves to make, but he looks very very confident with his feet. Obviously the modern way. Um, so interested to see. How he does it, and maybe a different sort of opposition when he's a bit busier. But um, yeah, yeah, if he plays on Saturday against Fleetwood Town, that would be more of a test for him. Yeah, and the rest of the team won't. Yeah, it? definitely. Um, and just on McCracken, he's trained with some pretty good goalkeepers at Norwich. Um, Angus Gunn, the, the Scotland number one, is there. Um, John is it John McGovern that used to be at Hamilton? Is Northern Ireland? Goalkeeper. Michael McGovern. Michael uh, McGovern. Michael McGovern. Used, used to be at United. At United uh, anyway. John McGovern uh, no. used to lift the European Cup for <laughs> yeah. Brian, Brian Clough. I don't think I don't think he switched position or are still playing, George. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> Sorry, George. Yeah, it's, it's usually me that gets names wrong. It's John McCracken, Michael McGovern. I mixed them up. Um, what were we talking about? Can't remember. There's too many marks in goal, yeah. that's what you said. Oh, Fleetwood, yeah. that's what we're talking about, yeah. Fleetwood, yeah, Fleetwood, oh yeah, we were talking about Fleetwood. Yeah, so... The only thing I can tell you about Fleetwood is the owner won't be there. Oof, yeah. They might have bigger fish to fry than uh, <laughs> playing Dundee in a friendly he's wearing, he's wearing a different kind of uniform <laughs> from now on. For those who don't know, he got 12 years in jail for fraud down in England earlier this week. Oh no, I wasn't aware of that. Oh, no. <laughs> That'd be interesting. I think... I think that was your travelling day, George. <laughs> Um, that that'll certainly be a step up in quality. Um, they're obviously behind Dundee in their preseason schedule, so Dundee should be in, in better physical shape, I would think. Um, Which is another reason why I'm getting excited about Dundee's results. But a, they've played two 
part-time teams. Now they're playing a, a full-time team, but I've seen English Premiership teams come up here and play games and yeah. they were, they were walking. We shouldn't get too carried away, even if Dundee can chalk up another good win on Saturday because teams are at different places, aren't they? Yeah, yeah I think certainly shouldn't get carried away with pre-season results. And I think we've probably fallen into that trap previously. Um, oh, I did it about 29 times in 31 years. <laughs> but you'd much rather be winning games and scoring goals. Um, than not and, and having worries ahead of the new season you, you want your players being confident and certainly the strikers Said George sounding like a manager eh? <laughs> certainly your strikers you want your strikers the strikers just want to get going in the new season get the first goal even if that's in pre-season and, and it really sets them up and gets them going so more of that um, the game's are way down in Waterford it's going to be a, a trek uh, I think there might be a few Dundee fans going as well um, I think it's a Two hour plus train journey, yeah. if I'm right, George. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Well, you just told me that before we came on here. <laughs> I wasn't going to give that away. But... And they've, made the, they've made the kick off nice and early for you, too, George. So you given given really that George early. is late for most things, who's <laughs> betting on him missing his flight home on Saturday night? It's, it, it could be tight. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see you in a fortnight, George. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can I just say, Tom, before, before we move on, um, just about breaking on Saturday. Um, a wee sidebar, and, and I was I was great being back to Brecon. You know, um, pitch was in fantastic condition, and the game worked out well for Dundee, and a good run out for Brecon as well. But I sat in the the big stand behind the goal, mm-hmm. and as soon as I went in, I realised I was sitting sort of twenty seats along from the Brecon Junior Supporters Club. <laughs> no. seem, they seem to have employed or not employed. You know, they've got the, all these young lads together, six and seven year olds, and they were given it absolute loudly. They had the drum. I thought I made a mistake here straight away. <laughs> and I was in early and it was 10 to 3 and, it, you know, they were giving it big licks and the teams came out and, the, and they were absolutely, they went even louder, you know. But unfortunately, somebody forgot to tell them there was a minute's silence before oh, the game. No. And, the, and the ground went silent, but these young lads were just kept giving it boom, boom, boom on the drums. One of the officials had to run quickly up the stairs and say, lads, lads. Stop, it's a minute's silence. You know, I've got I've got to say fair play to Breakin. I looked across Uh during the course of the game and there was smiles on their faces were wide. They were just had a great time and hopefully that pays off for Breakin City. Yeah, they went close last season. Hopefully they can go all the way back to the proper leagues. Definitely. This year. Great stuff. Do you like a true crime podcast, Bear? I do, especially if it's local. What if I told you about a podcast that tells the story of a massive cocaine smuggling operation involving a man from Blair Gowrie who did a deal with the Cali cartel to import £100 million of uncut cocaine to Scotland? I'm listening. Hunting Mr X is DC Thompson's first true crime podcast that reveals the unbelievable story behind Julian Chisholm, who also became known as Mr X. It's got a prison break, an assassination plot... Undercover Surveillance, The Lot. Where can I listen to this? Hunting Mr X is available on all your major podcasting platforms from Spotify to Apple. Subscribe now. As you said, Alan, you'd get it back. And it was as we were coming up to our studio in the lift, I said to Bear, I, I can remember uh, numerous occasions as a Dundee fan, if you lose a player to a club down in England or to the old firm, you're never happy, but you accept that's going. And and fans will argue about who's 
the bigger club, but I was thinking about it. Maybe a better way to phrase it is when you lose a player like Dundee United have just yesterday with Dylan Levitt to Hibs, it shows that you've lost a bit of power. I mean, we can't, uh, rationally, we can't argue that outside of the old firm, potentially the three biggest clubs in Scotland would have to be Hibs, Hearts and Aberdeen. But Dundee United, at the start of last season, thought they were going to finish above Hibs. So it's a sore one for fans, isn't it, that they lose Dylan Levitt to Hibs this yeah, summer. United are in that peculiar little window where I don't think yeah. there's any argument that they're the sixth biggest team in Scotland. You know, you've got uh-huh. that five that, that you mentioned there and then you've got a, a kind of swathe of clubs that would probably argue with each other. But I think United are probably in that little window that really yeah. they should always be aiming to be sixth in the top flight. And uh-huh. on a good year, challenging or finishing yeah. above Hibs. So yeah, it stings, but... More than more than the, the the sting of selling to another team in Scotland, there's the sting of just financially and in footballing terms missing a really good opportunity to craft and sell on an an asset. You know, Dylan Levitt was was such a revelation in his season on loan mm-hmm. at Dundee United that I don't actually grudge Dundee United for for paying the money and taking him as an investment, but. It was it was a punt because only getting him on a two year contract mean meant that effectively you needed him to, to dazzle sell. in that first season and then you needed him to you wanted him to have a couple of appearances at the World Cup, ideally. Yeah. And then you would want to perhaps sell him on for seven figures. That was the master plan that has gone kind of catastrophically wrong. Um when you take away the cut that Manchester United will get for that sale, they will take a hit. They will lose Dylan Levitt for more uh, for less than they paid for him, which is pretty disastrous for a, a mm-hmm. 22-year-old of that talent. But um, And on the back of that, it's a season where he didn't reach the levels that he did in the previous campaign. That's partly due to injuries. It's partly due to a horribly unbalanced squad that we've talked about a million times here. You can't tell me the balance of that midfield was well set up to get the best out of Dylan yeah. Levitt, but he didn't perform to the levels that, that he would have liked throughout the campaign. I think that's fair to say. So... Um, I, I'm not even a you know a United fan, but I feel a sense of disappointment that they didn't make the most on every conceivable level out of having Dylan Levitt at the club. But I can't grudge him wanting to go and play top flight football. He is he's a 22 year old lad that's trying to make a career in the game with the best will in the world to Championship football. He can't spend a year of his life playing no. in the Championship. He's too good. Mm-hmm. He is. Um, so I think Hibs are going to get themselves a really good player. They balance it off with some. You know, a tough tackling, nasty, nasty man beside him uh, to to do a lot of the ugly stuff when when it gets in the trenches and let Dylan Levitt play his football. Mm-hmm. Hibs have got themselves a, a cracking signing, but on so many levels, the lingering feeling for United is just disappointment and a missed opportunity. Such a big missed opportunity. Yeah, and bear it. I mean, looking ahead, hopefully D- Dylan Levitt, Levitt, sorry, gets back on track, and then there could be more pain for United when. Hibs get that seven-figure fee. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I was going to say, hopefully at least they've got their money back, but as Alan points out, Manchester United, as every club does, we're young players. They've yeah. made sure they're getting a cut of the transfer, so there's there's really no chance yeah. that they're getting their money back. No, it's, uh, uh, you, you mentioned power at the start, Tom, and it's where United find themselves in Scottish football at this point in time. I've seen it at Dundee, you know, when when the, the, they've, had to, they've had to sell good players to clubs 
who I would suggest aren't as big as Dundee in Scottish football, but have been playing a division above them, and that's mm-hmm. that's a fact. And uh, that's where United are at. You know, uh, the investment. Th- that's even that thing. I mean, th- putting my Dundee fan hat on right now, I'm disappointed because I want Dundee to be a a bigger or a more powerful club mm-hmm. than Dundee United. But that's based on when Dundee United were finishing in the top six, <laughs> not because yeah. Dundee are in the Premier League and United are relegated. Mm-hmm. And, and and as a fan of football in this city, it always hurts. Like I say, I accept, I'm realistic enough to accept, clubs are going to come in that you can't refuse. But, but when it's Hibs, yeah. Hearts and Aberdeen, although they are bigger clubs... It's because you, your club's not doing well. Yeah, that's right. And it, and we're just looking at Dundee. If Dundee had stayed in the championship, I'm sure players like yeah. Mulligan and Cameron would not be at the club mm-hmm. at this point in time. But I mean, I've got to say, you know, Hibs have, have made a big investment. I mean, for for a club outside the old firm to, to spend money on, you know, a, a player that was believed it's somewhere in the region, I think maybe. £250,000 or £350,000 yeah, I think it's around about the £300,000 yeah, so, yeah. so I mean it is a hefty investment but as as we've already said there's a chance if Dylan Levitt gets back to the sort of form he produced in his early days at Dundee United and gets They'll back on the international money. scene they could treble that investment yeah. quite easily Tom so it is a good investment for them it's a good move move for him I thought he might have, have gone south but here Edinburgh is an attractive place to work I've got to say so yeah, it's, it's a good code for drink. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> it's a, it's a good move for him, but it's a hard one to take if you're a Dundee United fan. It is, and uh, but I, I was even a wee bit surprised that if I was going to, and I I always enjoyed going to Easter Road and Tynecastle, but I tend to think if I was given the option, I would go to Hearts based on chances of success. But maybe shows that Hibs are throwing a bit of money. Their squad. Hibbs's pursuit of him was far, far more aggressive. I think it's was fair it? to say. Yeah, I, I don't think uh, that affects players too, doesn't it? If you if you get the sense that one club really wants you, Stephen Naismith likes Dylan Levitt a lot. Um, although I'm not sure if we're allowed to say that Stephen Naismith's making the shots there. I, I don't quite understand. Well, I, don't think, I don't think. I think they're having an argument about who picks the so, team. Never mind us. Um, but yeah, Stephen Naismith likes him a lot. But I don't think we didn't quite get to the stage where here's two identical contracts. Which team would you prefer? It, it wasn't. It wasn't uh-huh. like that as it as it rarely is. Um, and also, as you say, Hibs is, a, is an attractive proposition. You know, it's, it's a club I used to, to cover closely, so I'd be up at their training ground every every week. Um, and it is. It's a good setup. Lovely part of the world. Uh, down in East Lothian, big, you know, modern training ground, lots of pitch. It's, it's you know, it's a good, good place stadium. To yeah, it's a good stadium. I always, I always used to think the 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 club that surprised me if you went to a semi final or a final was Hibs. Hibs mm-hmm. would because they haven't had the sustained yeah. success that Hearts have had in terms of league position and stuff like that. But Hibs have that potential they have mm-hmm. a big big support that will turn out if they're doing well and he'll also he'll be looking at Ryan Porteous going down south getting yeah. on the Scotland team he'll be looking at Kevin Nisbet getting his move down south he's, it is a, it's a decent platform clubs from down south albeit probably championship rather than premiership look at the performances of Hibs and Hearts and mm-hmm. say they're doing well at big clubs. So it's a, it's a good platform for him and to be honest it was inevitable from a Dundee United perspective it was sting um uh, in terms of selling him to another team in Scotland, but financially making up the shortfall, the fact that Dylan would want to play at a higher level, yeah. it was inevitable. The further disappointment for United fans is probably the fact that this isn't being assuaged by incomings yet. 
Um, they are working hard, but at the same time, three signings, all very functional championship experience signings, are not providing the sort of excitement and buzz that can counteract Stephen Fletcher, Dylan Levitt, players like that leaving. Um, they need to get some bodies in. And ideally, and it's really difficult when you're playing in the championship and you've got budgets to think about, ideally, a couple of players that will excite supporters because they need to get a buzz going because it's yeah. it's a bit meh just at that moment well, in time. I mean, it, let's be honest. Life is all about me. And I think had United winning the championship <laughs> by October, I'm very tense. I'm having sleep because <laughs> they do. And... <clears throat> Since we've spent all this money on the line to Dublin that George keeps pausing, I'll bring you in here, George. I mean, you know the championship well. United have got a, a vast array of young talent, but you need experienced players, don't you? And to me, they're, they're still, for all they've signed good championship players who, who know what it's all about, they still look a wee bit light when it comes to experience. They do a bit. I've just realised... Um... I've got an excuse here if, if I don't like any of your questions. I can just pretend of. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the, yeah, they're certainly short of a, a few bodies. By the way, George, I've seen you on a football pitch. I sometimes <laughs> think you've pressed the pause button there. I have no argument to that, I have to admit. Um, yeah, I, think they, I agree with Alan. They, they, they need to inject a wee bit of uh, excitement in uh, things at United. Um, Fans not even being able to see the games, I think, doesn't help either. Um, just getting that, that feeling of being back at the football and seeing your team and seeing what may be in store for the season ahead. Um, and that comes with, with signings as well. I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to think who they've got in terms of, in the building at the moment, Alan, in terms of guys that are going to get goals with Fletcher going. Who have we got? Yeah, um, not... not many in terms of guaranteed yeah. goals. Uh, Rory McLeod scored um, in one of those behind closed doors, well, the only behind closed doors friendly so far against these five at the weekend. So as you say, it would have been nice for fans to see that in terms of maybe get a bit of positivity. That a young player did find the net, mm-hmm. so did Chris Mockery. But again, you know that, you know, you've seen the championship, you know what a grind it can yeah. be. And whether you would trust a 17-year-old yeah. Rory McLeod to be the main man, um, Certainly for a whole season. For a whole season. is, And to be fair, I'm catastrophizing because I don't think that's done the United's plan. But um, Tony Watt being there should mm. get you goals in the mm-hmm. championship. But he's coming back from an injury, so you wonder how long it'll take him to grind into gear. So, And he's I only think, got it until October to win the league for me. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, he'll be so aware of that. That'll be, that'll be, <laughs> that'll be his number one priority. <laughs> that'll be way Tom on says. Yeah, that, I mean, he'll be mentioning that in his next vlog. <laughs> um, it's, so he's... he's should get you goals and beyond that I think they'll be looking to sign a striker relatively okay with wide players Logan Chalmers and Glenn Middleton are good wide players for the championship Um, I think they need a little bit of inspiration in the centre of midfield um, now that Dylan Levitt's gone um, and they desperately need centre backs um, because they've as I say they've got no right footed centre backs with any experience and then I would suggest they need a new goalkeeper as well. So, yeah. um, well I worked in <laughs> exactly. So nothing, um, nothing to worry about with my prediction then. Yeah. So, uh, effect. I mean, maybe the creative midfielder because I've not seen how 
Chris Mockery and Declan Glass and Archie Mikkelsen, for example, are shaping yeah. up in preseason. So maybe he's looking at one of those players. Right. Mikkelsen would probably be the most natural like for like. Maybe he's maybe Jim's Goodwin's looking at one of those players and thinking, I've got my Dylan Levitt in the building. So that's maybe not the priority. But goalkeeper, centre half, striker. Um, as <laughs> as uh, as you say, it's. Um, that's the spine of your team, effectively. So there's yeah. there's work to be done, and um, uh, you know it wouldn't surprise me also if there's outgoings, which is just as testing at the moment. Because mm-hmm. if you have no one that's there to pay money for these outgoings, or there's no offers that these players can fall back into, then you're then convincing people to tear up contracts, to tear up guaranteed jobs when they've got no guarantee of getting something on the other side, which. And, you know, supporters might bristle at that and say, "Oh, just just go, blah blah blah." Who does that in any job? No. In any job, it's their occupation, it's, it's their livelihood. Yeah. So pays the bills. That is um, for anyone that they may look to move on if they don't have a concrete offer on the other side and don't have uh, a concrete offer of similar financial recompense. Then you're going to need to negotiate very carefully, and they might want to wait right until August thirty first yeah. <laughs> uh, to get you Quite know their cute. final pay packet. So. There are, it's, it's a complicated transfer window. That's probably the best way mm-hmm. to put it. And I get the impatience but um, among f- some supporters, but it might go long. Mm-hmm. It really might um, right. in terms of finalising the squad that they hope will win the league. And we might not we might not see it until well after the via play group stages are done. Um, maybe, as we say, end of August it could be. You'd, you'd hope I, that... I mean, it's an inter- oh, sorry, George. I was just going to say, you'd hope that getting Stephen Fletcher off the, the wage bill and, and Dylan Levitt getting a bit of cash in for him and getting him off the wage bill it might just ease things in terms of the finance of being able to, to bring some budget uh, to bring in new players if you know what I mean you just hope that just yeah. opens the door a bit a bit wider and it's worth pointing out that Aziz Behic is yet to return to training as well which one might suggest uh, and, and I'm loath to make assumptions because he is based in Australia and they might yeah. want to give him a bit more time off mm-hmm. he was he was carrying a wee injury towards the tail end of last season so not making grand assumptions but you would think given his pedigree given he wants to keep his place in the Australia team and given this is getting towards the twilight of his yeah. career I don't think he wants to spend it cutting about a broth and he's Airdrie. probably got one more major championship at international level so he can't yeah. drop out the yeah. Australian squad for a couple of years can exactly. and again don't grudge him that at all but from a United perspective you just want to move quickly I, I heard you but and I, Smith uh, bristle there when you mentioned cutting about our bros I have to say I know, you know. I was just going for the alliteration. Uh, that's all it was. There was, there was no. Uh... Got to mention our both once every every time we do the podcast. Uh, Something to do with the algorithm. Uh, you should have, you should have added a clause. It has to be positive, but tough. Too late. Actually, I mean, bear. It strikes me, uh, Alan, it's a complicated uh, transfer window for United, and that's spot on. If you can remove yourself from the tension and the pressure, I put myself under my predictions. It's an interesting one because, again, I'm, this is not based on anything I've heard, but but based on what I've seen and experienced in the past, it wouldn't be a surprise if someone in the boardroom at United or high up at United is saying to Jim Goodwin, "Can you get somebody that's a name, somebody that gets you know lifts fans a bit?" But Jim Jim Goodwin yeah. strikes me as the kind of guy that he, his signings he'll back himself. Yeah. yeah. To get United up, yeah. and his signings will be based on what he thinks is yeah. best for Dundee United. Not giving season ticket sales no. a wee boost in July. Yeah, he'll hope that if they're not as high as they are, results will give them a boost when it comes to half season yeah. ticket time and in uh, January. There may be tension in the boardroom, and 
Jim Goodman could turn it and say whatever you want me to get a sign and now produce I'd some finance. Money. Exactly. Uh-huh. So uh, now Jim Goodman said all along he's building a team to do the job and that's to win the championship and get himself back to the premiership. So we've seen by the players that have already come in and you know there's, there's been two or three of them. They're all good championship players. They can all do the job in there. And I would expect that to be the case going forward. Don't expect any star-studded signings to, to land on your United's doorstep. I don't see that happening. I don't think they've got the finance to do that. I don't think Jim Goodwin would bust the budget to do that. You know, I think, you know, I think George touched on it and, and, and Alan mentioned it. You know, United fans will be looking for a spark. I think the spark, it can come from within. They've got a lot of good young players there. Yeah. The opportunity is there. There's going to be a chance. I'm not saying they'll do it all themselves, but there's going to be a chance for, for guys like McLeod, Mochrie, Meekison, Declan Glass maybe to come in and, and stake a claim and, and put their mark on that team. And I, I, I say they won't carry the team themselves, but they will do something next season that will, fans will, will step back and go, here, we've got a, a real player here, you know, and, and, and that in turn will help Dungeon United to get to where they want to be. But in terms of Jim Goodwin, he'll not, he'll not feel, he, he knows the job he's got to do. He's under pressure to get United out of that league, but he won't feel pressurised at getting somebody if he's not completely satisfied that is the right person to do a job for Dundee United. Aye, I mean, there is the opportunity. I mean, it's, it's it's going back the best part of a decade. There is the opportunity here to be positive about it for United to do a Burnley. Burnley came up, went straight down. Stuck with as many of, the, of their players as could. Came back and stayed up mm-hmm. for, I think it was eight, nine years before they got relegated at the end of last season there. And if, if United can hang on to these kids... Add a few experienced men. They might they might look back on this in five or ten years' time as a painful but positive experience because they they came back this time more ready and more realistic about the Premier League. I sort of half agree with you. Um, I agree <laughs> I, with. I, I think optimism <laughs> was the word that I used there. Yeah, I, I kind I'm of trying a, to convince myself. I agree with you in the sense that I think there could be something good that comes from the ashes of that, and that could be getting back to trusting some homegrown talent and you know what supporters are like they would rather see a Chris Mockery every week oh, yeah. given maybe 7 out of 10 rather than a player that they don't have the same connection with give it 8 out of 10 one week 6 out of 10 next you know they, they would I think there'll be a little bit more leeway on young players and also these are players that we've been talking about for ages and they've never had really had a proper run so mm-hmm. maybe this is a time to actually say do you know what here's the ball literally go out, you know, see what you can do with it but in terms of your Burnley comparison, like the big difference is that was a football club that very intelligently got promoted, got all the riches of promotion, yeah. and then said, we're not going to spend crazy in the top flight so that if we go down, we take all that money, we take that parachute payment, and we come back up a yeah, very a, I mean, rich club. totally different level, it's but the, United it's kind do of the, look like they spent too much. Yeah, it's, it's kind of the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, we were United. They spent big in the top flight, and they don't have that parachute payment to... Um, cushion the flow, uh, cushion the fall, I should say. When they came back down, it's a very minuscule parachute payment. So uh, the comparison <laughs> falls down there. But you're right in what you say in terms of. Sorry, the- well, United fans, just for the record, <laughs> it was the Dundee fan that tried to give you encouragement. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and just in, but in terms of your, you know, wider point that it could be a chance to rebuild in a different, you know, style with a, a different vibe around the place, then. Yeah, that's that's hopefully something that I mean. Imagine if young Rory McLeod gets fifteen goals next season. What a ray of light yeah. that would be! Young seventeen-year-old homegrown talent, fantastic. You know that something like that would be um, 
would really change the mood and, and be something for fans to cling on to because God knows they need something just to, after last season. I mean, the, the, the other thing I would try to be positive about, and I'm going to ask Bear about this because Alan will just rip me to shreds <laughs> again. No, but again, he's, he's not someone I know at all, but the vibe I get from Jim Goodwin and the Kevin Holt deal in particular is he's been up front with guys. He's got to Kevin Holt and said, I'll give you a one-year contract on decent money, better money than you're going to get elsewhere in the championship to do a specific job, and that's get us up. I don't think that he said to Kevin Holt that he'll definitely be there this time next year if United are promoted. And that's, I mean, there's, yeah. there's two ways. Some managers like to build a team when they're going for promotion that's good enough to survive the next season in the higher league. Other managers, Paul Sturrock was a great one mm. for it. He's, he always said, sign players to get you out of the <laughs> league you're in. I always think you can't lose sight of the bigger picture. And the big big picture for Dundee United, Tom, is to get out the championship. Yeah. First and foremost. Now, they've got Kevin Holt, who's an experienced championship player. He's played in the Premier League as well. He's a big lad. He's a fit lad. He plays most weeks. He knows what, it, what it's all two about. two positions. Absolutely. And they've enticed him away from a rival in uh -huh. that. So, let's be honest, United are, we always say they've not got the budget they once had. They'll still have a decent budget there. Jim Goodwin has uh, will have players in mind that he, that he wants to bring to that club. As whether he can do the same, can entice them and can sell the club to them, um, that will that will be the case whether they, that will make the difference for Dundee United next season. But just like a Tony Doherty at Dens, if he misses out on one or two, you'll have four or five others yeah, waiting yeah. to go. But United fans are going to have to be patient. That's the thing, Alan, isn't it? That's the big the big thing for Dundee United. Other clubs will be making signings. I don't say in the Championship. <laughs> there's not going to be many signings in the Championship. But in the Premiership, you're seeing clubs making signings. Now, Dundee United are not in the Premiership. That's what United mm -hmm. fans need to get their head around. They're going to have to be patient and wait and see. Yeah. A lot of players are hedging their bets at this point in time. United maybe weren't an attractive <laughs> proposition at the start of the summer. But come the end of the summer, if a player doesn't have a club, he might have to lower his sights. And I don't mean that in any sort of derogatory way against Dundee United. No. What the player wants... And you might find that more players sort of open their eyes to a chance to move to Dundee United and that, that could help when it, when it comes to for, uh, Jim Goodwin getting players in. I would say in terms of, it's not something that fans always like the idea yeah. of, but we need to consider the loan market as well as yeah. being a really big factor because uh, financially, in terms of the viability of getting good players in the door, loan market's really good for that. And also, Dundee United will be a really, really attractive loan option for certain players. You know, mm -hmm. whether, you know, for teams down south, if they're thinking... Where could our player get first-team football, play for a big club, challenge for a title, all these things? I think if Dundee United put out the feelers for potential loans, I think they are an attractive one. It's the same way that you know Dundee would have been so attractive for AFC Wimbledon to send Zach Robertson mm -hmm. up to because they're thinking... Well, he was the, I've got to say, he wasn't the only one at the dance. Boyer used the mm -hmm. loan market very... Yeah. You know, so I think that is a really good market just by the fact that while Dundee United might not be the attractive top flight location for a permanent transfer anymore, even in the championship, I still think it's a good, you'll, you'll have plenty of clubs and players that are thinking six months, club that size, top end of the table, real pressure, real pressure every single week. Um, that, that's that's a good formative loan. And is, is it fair to say as well, the change in United's situation in trying to get players in is they're no longer an immediate yes. 
100%. But they're not an immediate, they're equally, the, the encouraging thing is they're not an automatic no. They're not a, no, I'm not going there. Uh -huh. It's the championship that's the problem. Players will still, as, as Bear says, and and you've said yourself, Alan, it could be a long transfer window because players, a few players will have said, I've got a few options, I'll get back to you. Uh -huh. But the encouraging thing there is it's not a no. Yeah, they've... I think it's been a slightly frustrating window for Jim Goodwin. Yeah. I think he would like to have had more in now. And there have been a lot of, we'll tell you soon, and then he's unveiled at a different club. That's happened, Aye. especially, you know, for example, a couple of goalkeepers. And it's irrelevant now. They've they've gone somewhere else. So uh, it's 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 been challenging. And that's no, that's no slight on Dundee United. It's no slight on Jim Goodwin. It's just, it's the market. It is what it is. And... Um, uh, yeah, I think it's it's been slightly slightly frustrating, but there's a long lists in every position that they want to strengthen in, and if they're working their way through that, then they will get people in the door. But when that will be, who knows? I would. It was interesting speaking to to internal club media. Jim Goodwin did seem quite hopeful in getting someone in. You know, as we speak this week, he said that on Saturday. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that's had a lot of fans thinking, TikTok, oh, you know, because uh, they take, whereas he said, I would hope to, they take that as you know how it is. Well, we're going to have three in this week, aren't we? So yeah. it's, I think He's it's... He's got until midnight on Saturday. <laughs> exactly. So I think some fans are, um, maybe took that as a, a little bit gospel when things are very rarely that simple uh, in football transfers. But that certainly smacks of Jim thinking that he's got a few things that might be down the line. Um, so um, hopefully... By the time, maybe by the time you listen to this, um, we, we might this conversation may seem moot because they've got two cracking signings in. Who, who knows? But Hope so. Yeah, we can we can keep our fingers crossed. And to continue my un unaccustomed positivity role, kids on the score sheet in the bounce game against these five. Mm -hmm. It shows they're up for it. It's a it's just a slightly strange preseason because most of United's games are going to be behind closed doors but we're still not not least because I saw Jim Goodwin saying yes I was very happy with the <laughs> yes I'm not getting into the score but I was very happy with winning the three goals yeah <laughs> it's um yeah good to see Chris Mockery scoring uh, I think there's there's definitely something there with, with Chris as a uh, as a player you know from watching him before sometimes I just uh, I want to see him go and take the a game by the scruff of the neck show a wee bit more aggression and just because he's got so much talent all the talent in the world um I know from speaking to James McPake a, a wee bit, you know, not for the paper, just just in general, he thinks the world of him in terms of the things he can do with a football on the training he pitch. He was a good you know. young player. Yeah, um, so uh, good to see him on the score sheet. Really good to see Rory McLeod on the score sheet. That smack, uh, kind of goes back to something George said there, just in terms of a striker, just that feeling of ripple in the net. It's nice to have mm -hmm. in, in pre-season. So that's all... That's all Relatively positive, Matthew Kujo hit the bar, and by, by all accounts, because, you know, if, even if they don't let you in to watch it, you tend to get all, every cough and splutter from these games. You were in he, the bushes. <laughs> he said, no, I, I absolutely was not. <laughs> Let's make that clear. I was uh, enjoying my Saturday afternoon <laughs> elsewhere if we're not going to be invited in. So it's... Um, it's uh, but you still have... I'm so, out of phone your sports editor and say, I'm in the bushes. Yeah. So, uh, you, you were the tree that was yeah. moving behind what, the goal. Uh, what's what's <laughs> that sound of clanking glasses in the back? It's funny bushes, these. <laughs> so I think, uh, you know, by all accounts, Matthew Kujo made a decent impact when he came on as well, hitting the bar. And as, as we said, you know, these are decent opportunities for these young players to stake yeah. a claim. I don't think 
they're necessarily that important in terms of results and I don't think the teams are what the teams will look like on that um, opening day of the season but there's always there's always one or two that um, make a real impact during pre-season and make the manager think hmm you know I wasn't necessarily seeing you as a, a, a starter but maybe just it was last summer and God knows it seems a long time ago now, but Matthew Cujo was that player for Jack Ross. You know, he'd worked mm-hmm. himself right onto the cusp of, of getting opportunities and things changed very quickly yes. and that didn't happen for him. But there'll be other players, um, whether it's Matthew again or whether it's uh, whether it's a, a Chris Mockery or an Archie Mekison, I, I don't doubt that there's maybe a couple in there that have just made Jim Goodwin think, you know what, you know, uh, you're going to get a real chance in the, in the Via Play Cup group stage and, and maybe beyond that. Great stuff. Well, guys, we're basically out of time, so I'll just round off by wishing Ian Harks all the best at New England Revolution. Thought he might have gone to Europe. I think he wanted to go home. Yeah, him and his uh, him and his wife. I think were ready for to go back stateside. So I, he had a, he would have had options, and uh, England would be more likely than Europe. But I think he was ready to go home. I think still in Europe. <laughs> oh, Brexit here across the table for me here, Bert. He's um, he's very much kind of. Uh, I think he's he's pursuing a few things in within football and out with football over in America. So, really, it didn't work out from the end, stating the bleeding obvious. But um, really good guy, really really yeah. good guy, and um, I really do wish him all the best over there. And big dunk looking for a club there, <laughs> which is bad news for. Poor a friend of the show, Raymond McKinnon, I who was, was on the yeah, cusp of being his assistant manager. We were almost unveiling him last week, weren't we? But uh, yeah, it was a strange one the way things panned out. It just shows you, you never know what is going to happen in football. You know, Duncan was away at a point, Ray and Ray was, was, was mulling it over. Well, and it I, looks I would like suggest was, Raymond's been around long enough not yeah. to have signed the contract too quickly, so he is yeah. still four for he manager. He is still four for manager, yeah, and he'll do a good job for four for it's, it's good news for four for football club, but you just never know what's going to happen. I did enjoy Forfer's statement. Uh, after thinking about it, he decided not to take the opportunity. I, I bet he did. I bet he did. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite hard to take the opportunity when the man, the man who offered you the job left. But well done for Forfer for being diplomatic about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So all that's left to say is, George, what time's your first pint in Guinness? I'm, I'm out here working. It's not happening. <laughs> he's like a politician he's like a politician that's got one response brief doesn't he I'm out here working I'm out here working you could have said that with more conviction John. the bosses might be listening well you enjoy your afternoon in Temple Bar George we'll just get back to work if you like the podcast we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it or even better leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street and that means a lot to us.